0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cated show. Today, we're going to talk all about data literacy. And with our special guest, Jordan Morrow, we're actually going to learn how to be data literate. Now, Jordan Morrow is, um, he calls himself the chief nerd officer, and he, he says people also call him the godfather of data literacy. And I think that's for a reason, because when I think of Jordan Morrow immediately, I think, oh, yeah, the data literacy guy with a beard. Um, and the dedicated shirt that he didn't wear today. But anyways, I'm going to bring him up in just a second, but uh, a little bit about Jordan. He, he's currently the head of data design and management skills at Pluralsight. Prior to that, he was the global head of data literacy at Click. That's actually when, when I met Jordan. He, he's got like five kids. He loves running. He loves data. Uh, and I'll bring him up on, on the stage here. But just before I do that, uh, one more thing you need to know about Jordan is he actually just came out with a brand new book. It's called, Be Data Literate, The Data Literacy Skills Everyone Needs to Succeed. And um, yes, uh, Scott Taylor is here and he says, every time you hear the word literacy, you do a shot. Uh, I'm not sure if he's talking about alcohol or COVID or espresso shots, but either way, I guess you're, you're doing a shot when you hear literacy, which you'll probably hear throughout the whole session. I'm gonna go ahead and bring Jordan up on our stage here. Hello, Mr. Morrow, welcome there.
1: I'm sorry, I don't have the dedicated shirt, but I have a shirt that I know you love probably as much. So we'll go with that. And Scott, I'm just gonna say literacy three times now. So literacy, literacy, that was three, get going.
0: So now Scott's out of the picture. Okay, great. (laughs) We took care of that one. I love it. Um, So Jordan, before you tell people about yourself, tell people about your shirt. Because you brought it up and and now the audience has to know why I like the shirt. Oh,
1: absolutely. So I don't know how many in the audience know who David Goggins is. Uh, I know Kate discovered him not long ago. I've been following him for, I don't know how many years. He's a big ultra marathon runner, a big motivational speaker. All of that was a Navy Navy SEAL. He was in a past Army Ranger school, all these different things. Um, But anyway, I've got a few of his shirts. I've got his book right behind me back there. Um, and all of that. So I know that Kate recently signed up and did the four by four by 48. And um, anyway, so that's who it is. It's David Goggins. And so if you don't know who that is, just Google him, watch some of his videos, learn about his life and and be ready to be greatly impressed.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And for those not familiar with it, the four by four by 48 was a challenge that I think was early March, though it feels like it was much, much longer ago where we have to run Four miles every four hours for 48 hours. Did, did you do that one, Jordan?
1: Not this year, no. 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 Okay. That was I'm training for that. That, that might have thrown off a little bit of the schedule.
0: Yes, that makes sense. All right. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, please let people know a little bit about yourself. Who is Jordan?
1: Absolutely. So um, thank you for the introduction. I work now at Pluralsight. Before I came here, I was the global head of data literacy at Click, and I held that role for quite a few years. Um, I was one of the founding pioneers of this entire field, had the world's first program around it. And um, it's an idea that's been on my mind for about seven or eight years, things I've been thinking of. Um, uh, but I am as nerdy as they come, like you said. I'll have everyone know both the nicknames Kate gave me were nicknames given to me. Um, but I just will proudly say I am a nerd, so I can be the chief nerd officer. And it was Valerie Logan who told me that I'm called the godfather of data literacy out there. So there you go. Um, but anyway, I've been in this field for years and years. I'm, I'm old, as my white hair will show. But I do have five children. Um, one of them was just in here with me for a meeting. I had to have my wife take him out because he kept jumping into the camera. So we don't need that during this. And I do love my mountains. I live in Utah. I trail run. I run ultra marathons. And I, and I love that world a lot.
0: Awesome. Actually, so I've been reading through your book. And one mm-hmm. thing I, I was looking for, I, I literally thought every chapter would start off with And then I was on the mountain, (laughs) 55 miles now, but there's not much running in here. Is that is there a reason? Are you keeping those two lives separate?
1: No, I I do use running as a perfect metaphor for like a data literacy journey. Right. If, If you think about an ultra marathon, you set your target, what you want to do. You have to have the right skills to make it happen. You have to have the right fuel plan. You have to have all of that. And so it's it's a pretty easy metaphor to utilize and give to organizations and say, well, look, let me give you a personal example of my life. I'm trying to run this year. I have a 50 mile race, 50 K and hundred miler. So I've put plans in place and you do all this stuff. And it's the same thing with data. I mean, I, I think people think data is some nebulous thing that sits out there and all of that. When in reality, it's, it's not as complicated as we want to make it out to be. It's much more simple than, than we want to think about it. And it's all about finding where your passion is and you run with it and you go with it. No pun intended on that one.
0: I was just going to say you run with it. There you go. Love that. Um, Okay, great. Just looking at the comments quickly. LinkedIn user, I just checked that. That is Carrie. Uh, She says that, you know, you're invested in data literacy when you're tuned in on your vacation. I'll take a sip of coffee (laughs) instead though. Okay, yes, take a sip of coffee. Well, you
1: just said it and I'm just going to say it for Scott again, just data literacy. Let's get that shot going here.
0: Yes, he's already, um, I think his Scott's done. He's left the building. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yes, and uh, so yeah, Barry Logan gets a shout out here. Um, somebody just finished her boot camp to shape up their data literacy program. Awesome. So data literacy, this thing we keep talking about. Yeah. What does it actually mean?
1: Well, so, data literacy, th- there's multiple definitions out there. For years, I would use the one that came from Raul Bargoff, From MIT and Catherine D'Ignacio from Emerson University. It's the ability to read, work with, analyze, and argue with data. That last term, though, confused people at times because they're like, well, what do you mean by argue? Are you arguing with a person? Are you arguing? It meant to actually put a position forward and then back it up with arguments. So I changed it to basically be the ability to read, work with, analyze, and then communicate with data. Mm-hmm. Um, that data storyteller, which we know is such a passionate field of like Miko Yuck and, and and people, and it's one of the fastest growing fields. Basically, I look at data literacy as do you have an ability to effectively consume data and use it? That's it. Whether it's in your personal life or in, in your career. Um, but what, what it does do for organizations is, is it allows them to actually get strong adoption of data and analytics. Most organizations, I would actually say almost 100%, really struggle with adoption of data and analytical work. And a lot of times tools get blamed, this and that, but the reality is data and analytical work is technical for a lot of people, but 99% um, of people don't need to be technical. They just need comfort in utilizing data. And that's what, what we were doing when we built data literacy is let's just give people skills that will make them comfortable in their ability to consume data effectively. And that's it. That, it's, there's nothing. Now, now let me also make it clear that that might be it, but there's many different facets that come under there, right? There's all different areas that exist within data. So then we pick and choose and, and we figure out which area we want to work in, etc. But that's how I look at it.
0: Thank you for sharing that. And um, I definitely echo what Scott is saying here, that communicate is better than argue. No, I understand what was meant with that term. Argue, communicate just yeah. seems so much more friendly and collaborative than okay, let's let's have a fight with this data here. So thank you for for sharing Absolutely. that. Before I continue on with questions, I just want to let the audience know that uh, Jordan is so generous. He's actually giving away two copies of this book that he wrote, "Be Data Literate," to anyone who asks. Not to anyone. We're going to select winners, right? We're going to select two specific individuals to receive this book. Um, and it's basically best question asked or best comment made. And, and Scott, no, your shot, shot, shot is probably not going to win just because <laughs> just I know that's going to be a question that's coming out. Um, all right. So uh, before I go to my questions, I always like to make sure that we're addressing everything that comes in from the audience. So Uh, LinkedIn user here says that uh, they like that, they need comfort, they don't need to be technical. And I definitely want to touch on that, like how technical do business leaders and executives, for example, really have to be in order to understand what they're looking at. Um, And Kelly, so Kelly's asking a question here. Was there a time that you thought you were telling the right story with data, but then had to switch visualization or switch to uh, visualization to tell a better story?
1: yeah absolutely and this one this is years ago this is before data literacy anything like that i I was running analytics this i worked for american express and i inherited a report now to give you an idea of this report that i inherited it was about 77 powerpoint slides long all the charts were built in microsoft excel they were all linked to the powerpoint so if you messed one up if you delinked one you were screwed um, after a while, I'm like, why in the world did people keep doing this? Now, this went to executives at American Express. So I, I took some time. Um, you inherit it, you're new to the job, you're not rocking the boat. I'm like, all right, this is great. I was like, forget this. Why in the world would I do this? So I, I took some time and I built um a predictive model that boiled down into six charts total that they mm. could look at on their phone. And I just switched it. I didn't ask for permission from the executives. I just switched it. Um, I got permission from my, my senior vice president, um, but it, it's this, this chance to change it. They loved it. They no longer had to sift through 77 slides. They no longer had to do all these different things. They could pull out their phone, see the predictive models, see where things were going and done. Now this was actually the numbers I was predicting were write-off rates and delinquency rates right after the financial crisis. Which was a very big deal for a company like American Express. So switching the visualization, that that's one thing that we need to understand in a data literacy journey in general, is we always have to be iterative. We have to understand. we might think we have it right, and then we find we don't, and that's okay. Switch it. Who cares? Switch it and put something different in place.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great story. And um, Ravit's here saying, you know, he's excited to to share your your journey here. Uh, I, I have a very similar story, and I'm sure people who work in data visualization or with data in general likely have similar stories where we started off with either a slide deck or something so, I don't know, cumbersome and, and gross to work with, and then you were able to put something together. In my case, it went from 50-plus slides that each one had to be updated individually to a one a one-page dashboard on a server where the data would update itself, and you just had to click a button to update, and it's like... It was a huge wow moment right at, at the organization. So it, it just makes, makes it so much so much easier. Um, and I know we're, we're talking all about data literacy here. Now, my question to you is who needs to be data literate?
1: So this, this goes along with the question that's come through and, and all of this is there is never, how, how do I describe this? There's never a starting point or end point. Let's put it that way. It's a, it's a progressive journey for good. We can't ever think we've arrived because the way data and technology and everything shift in our world today, it's not going to work, right? We can't say, oh, we're here. We will be bypassed. So no organization will ever make it. Um, But at the same time, the one thing I like to make clear to everybody is everybody already has data literacy. If you drive a car, you use data to measure how much gas you have left. If you're buying a home, you use data to determine the mortgage rate and all those things that you're going to do. Um, So it's this, uh, this. Matter of never thinking you're there, but at the same time, always be learning and progressing. There's Mm -hmm. always things in the world of data and analytics you can learn. And so I don't ever want everybody is data literate to an extent. What we need to do, though, is make you confident in your data literacy. For some reason, people are data literate in their lives to a certain extent on gas. You use a weather app on your phone to determine if you need an umbrella. That's all reading data. When Mm -hmm. it gets business for some reason all of a sudden people are intimidated they don't like it this and that and that to me there's there's the cultural aspect of data literacy which is the biggest roadblock to data analytics success and at the same time there is just building confidence in people in in wanting to do this and so there's no starting point no end point i keep saying that but this ability to understand that you're on this progressive journey, learning more, getting better at the four levels of analytics, not just relying on a visualization, but maybe digging into coding and other things, being able to communicate effectively, being able to interpret effectively. Those are things that are all a part of this journey.
0: Yeah. So you said there's no start point point, there's no end point, but I guess at some point a company will know that we're more data literate than them, right? Yeah. Or we're less data literate than them <laughs> because it Absolutely. is a journey that spectrum. Yeah, and right.
1: to measure that. I mean, there's assessments you can take, um, things like that. You can look at adoption rates of the tools, the number of courses being taken. I mean, all, all these things are, are ways to measure where an organization sits. And so we do that. And there, there's times that we've sat there and you assess everybody just to figure out what is your benchmark.
0: That's interesting. That's going to lead me right into my next question to you. But before I do that, I want to ask a question to the audience. Would you consider yourself to be data literate. So let us know in the comments from wherever you're tuning in from, do you think you are data literate uh, based on what Jordan has described so far? And as we're getting answers for that, Jordan, the question to you that you were just about to answer seems like, what are the criteria to determine if a person organization is data literate? So a
1: lot of it boils down to adoption and usage of actual data right? are? do we see it in meetings? Do we see it in um, decisions that we're making? There, there's this misnomer out there where people think being able to use data means we're getting rid of the human experience. And that's not the case. Um, mm-hmm. It's a combination of the two. So there's no set criteria. The way I look at it is when I go to an organization, I talk to them, I figure out, do you actually have a data and analytical strategy that ties to your overall organization strategy? That's your starting point. What are you trying to accomplish with data? We haven't even talked about data literacy yet. Do you know what you're trying to accomplish? Once we do that, we figure out which tools you have, how clean and governed and managed is your data, and then what skills exist in the organization. We then build roadmaps and plans to make that happen. Those are certain steps, if you will, foundational blocks to Mm -hmm. build proper data literacy criteria, if you will. But there's no set criteria. Some organizations are far advanced, some are not. But the, the key is, what's your strategy? And then let's build the roadmap of learning the things you need to get there.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, I'm just looking at uh, at the comments. So Scott definitely thinks he is data literate. Uh, Amar Nath is not yet completely ravit, data literate. Kelly is uh, you know, not, not quite there yet to work in progress. Tom is working on it. Uh, thank you guys for, for participating. It's always it's always great to, to hear the engagement from the audience offered in, in progress. And um, yep, in progress, there you go. Now, it seems like people are either considering themselves to be data literate or at least want to be data literate, right, which is interesting because that's the name of your book. I, I wanna talk about how you came up with that at some point. Um, but why do we need to be, why do we need to be, or why do people want to be data literate?
1: It's the reality is if you study Gartner, Forrester, McKinsey, all of this, and you study the trends, and this is how I've built data literacy from the beginning, pretty much as I traveled the world, met with companies all over the world, taught to people all over the world. And I found out what trends were occurring. Every job right now, especially with the pandemic, right when the pandemic hit, it forced companies to realize and kind of have that come to themselves moment where they realized they weren't ready. And mm-hmm. if you study the trends, the top skills that are desired out there for most organizations are data related, AI, ML, data analysts, data, visualization, data, science, all of them. But if you also study the counterpoint to it on how many skills are out there, you find there's still a massive skills gap. And so if you look at just, just look at the pandemic from a personal perspective on how much data was thrown out there how often it changed, how often it shifted, how often everything happened. Having stronger data literacy made it easier to sift through good and bad. Now mm-hmm. comes a business perspective where organizations are full force trying to use data. If, if you don't wanna get left behind and that's, that's putting it kind of in a blunt way, you need to have <laughs> data skills. But at the same time, it makes you more marketable. And, and if you just go through job descriptions, I had one company I got asked multiple times if I thought this was okay. I got asked, is they they were looking at making data literacy a requirement of every single candidate that came through. And I guarantee a lot of people know this company. It's one of the biggest healthcare companies in the United States. They were asking, should we make everybody have as a qualification that they're they're confident in their data literacy? Well, I said, you're asking the wrong guy. I'm the data literacy guy. Of course you're gonna say yes. (laughs) Now there's a caveat to that, right? We're talking about level and, and how much confidence they have to have, but yeah. Absolutely. That, of course, my answer is yes to that. And that, that question is coming up more and more. So this skill is not just a nice to have. It's becoming what I would call another tool in your tool bet, belt to yeah. succeed in your job.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up the, the skills gap. This is something I wanted to talk about today was, all right, so we've got business leaders or executives, right, that we keep saying they need to be data literate. And then we've got innovative tools coming out like ThoughtSpot that is essentially trying to bridge that gap from where the executives really need to understand how to either use tools or even design or, or read dashboards because it's it's literally just giving you the answers to your data questions. So share some of your thoughts on that, of how technology is maybe helping bridge that gap while we we still need and we still have a long way to go to actually become data literate, But but share your thoughts on that.
1: Well, tools are making it easier. And here's a prime example. So I was on a trip a couple years ago, a few years ago in South Africa, and I was meeting with a the company there, just presenting. We were, I think we were just having a discussion Q&A at this point after I presented some things. And one of the persons that was in the audience asked and said, do you think technology is going to make us lazy because of all the AI and, and your charts can be built for you very quickly? Click has this in their platform where it has the engine that will build visualizations for you. And I said, well, you bring up an interesting point, and, and that is, let's, let's take a step back. Let's say you had a visualization that you use on a regular basis that used to take you about three hours to build. Now, what if the AI and the ML and, and the tool itself can build it for you in 15 to 30 minutes? Does that make you lazy? I said, absolutely not. That just gave you two and a half hours to actually analyze data. And where it really comes in is data literacy needs to be seen as a bridge to the four levels of analytics. A visualization is not the end game. We need to make that clear. Visualization is a visualization. It describes things. That's descriptive analytics. That's the first level. The second level is diagnostic. So when a tool can build things for me, I then can use diagnostic analytics to get more insight, to find new things out. So we're not just seeing what happened. We can then dive in to find out why it happened. And that's where you drive more business decisions. That's where You move the needle for a business. One key aspect of data right now is this data informed decision making, right? It's bringing data to the forefront, balancing it with all this other stuff to make a decision. I think tools enhance that. If I don't have to spend hours doing certain things, I can then focus on what I would call the more valuable driven things, the deep work, if you will, that we can drive with data. And that's how you move big things within a business.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned the four levels of analytics. I actually had this as one of my questions for you. So descriptive, diagnostic, predictive, and prescriptive. Would you see them as kind of an evolution of data literacy skills? Does one come before the other?
1: Absolutely. So for everyone, and she kind of read through those fast. So it's descriptive is level one. I call that observational level of analytics. This is what a data visualization is. It's describing what happened in the past. Level two is diagnostic analytics. This is what I call insight analytics. This is you have your visualization or whatever it is in descriptive analytics. You then figure out why it looked the way it did. Level three is predictive analytics. So then you can take the first two levels and build predictions on it for the future, right? Marketing, sales, revenue, all of these things. And then the fourth one is prescriptive. And the way I describe that, that's the robots taking over, right? That's your technology doing a lot for you. All of those now, 99, 95, 99% of people will stay in the first two levels, levels three and four. That's where nerds like me really love to dig into code and statistics and all these different things, Mm -hmm. but it's a holistic puzzle, right? So all four levels need to work together in an organization. Majority of the employees would be level one and two building visualizations, understanding them, interpreting them, getting the diagnostic side, the why behind it. Levels three and four are the technical side. So you're not gonna spend 25% of your time in each. Um, But when you develop that final ability, which is communicating with data, data fluency, speaking that language, all four levels work cohesively in an organization. So you're right, this is a progression. This is the more advanced you become, you become more comfortable with all levels. But when I go into an organization, an enterprise and build strategies, you bet all four levels are tackled into a cohesive holistic way of looking at data and analytics.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know you mentioned communicating with data, so I wanted to bring up this comment here from Matthew. He says, I believe the skills gap exists on both sides, technical abilities, but also the communication of data. What, what are your thoughts? Do You think we're better at communicating with data?
1: Hundred percent. So I get asked, right, that there's there's multiple levels of this. You have technical and non-technical things. The technical side, like a tableau, a click power, it's just a tool, that's all it is. It's not gonna solve everything for you. So you put all these things in your tool belt for this world of data. And this ability to communicate effectively, 100%, that's your data storyteller. I would actually say probably the fastest growing job in data right now. We have to do technical skills, so we have to get coding, data visualizations, but probably more importantly are the non-technical skills, the interpretation of data, to be able to communicate insights with data, Putting mm-hmm. all these things in place probably matters more. You can find people who know the technical side, but go and find me people who know all the business side. A, a data strategy needs to be a business strategy. How many people can, can bridge those things together? How many people are really good at finding the diagnostic analytic and then making the decision? All of those things are more soft skill.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So many uh, comments here. People are definitely agreeing with you. Kurt says visualization is not the end game. Um, and then Shirley here saying a tool is a means to an end, not an end in itself. Make it work for you, not the other way around, uh, where you're working for it. The one one-time exploitation is a good thing. So people are definitely agreeing with uh, with what you've got to say. Uh, I I do want to talk a little bit about your book, though. So I know uh, that's where I found those four four levels of you mm-hmm. know uh, analytics. So I want you to talk maybe. Start with, why did you decide to write the book? What was the journey like? And I know there was a sure. question here from Ravit who asked, what was your most favorite thing and your least favorite thing about writing a book?
1: So the, the way the book came about is actually kind of funny. I had had, when data literacy started to take off, right? When, when I start, started coming up with this idea, we were I was building a, uh, something in 2016. The term data literacy didn't really even exist at the time. It was something we used, um, but it wasn't all the way there. Once it started to kind of blow up more and more, I was getting taken around the world. I was like, I should write. I would love to write a book on this. And But then it would have been self-published and all that, and that that became harder. So that was a part of the journey is do I write it self-published? What kind of accountability is there? Then you're paying. Well, it just so happened back in 2019, I was in London uh, doing an event, and Bernard Marr, who's become a friend and colleague of mine, um, was there too. And he's like, Jordan, I'd love to interview you for a few things on my channel. I said, great, let's do it. So I do this video. That's it. I, that, I, so I do these videos. About two or three weeks later, um, the, his publisher, So Bernard's a, a best-selling author, his publisher reached out to me and said, hey, you want to do a book on data literacy? Uh, yes, I do. Um, <laughs> so basically that was the start of it. And, and it was all because I did an interview with Bernard and his publisher just happened to watch the video. But the process, so that's like November 2019, they said, okay, we want you to do the book you still have to submit a proposal. That proposal was like 12 to 15 pages long mm-hmm. and submitted that in December, but everyone had gone on holiday and it finally got approved. Um, and They have meetings every two weeks. I think it was approved unanimously. I'm like, great. I start writing in February, we have deadlines. One of the weirdest or hardest parts about it, I loved the process, but the pandemic kind of threw it off. Like it mm-hmm. furloughed employees, so my editors were gone. So that delayed um. the writing and things like that. And so then it all came back pretty quickly and I had to crunch some, some chapters out in a very short amount of time. Um, the journey has been awesome. I love my publisher. They've been great to work with. Um, Kogan Page, I don't know if anyone's watching, but you guys have been great. Um, but part of one of the hardest parts is actually the waiting game. I finished the manuscript in the very beginning of September. It didn't launch until the beginning of March. Um, they're editing it. They're they're making sure things are good. They would send me, "Hey, Jordan, what do you think about this word choice? Can we change it?" And it, I mean, it's been great. So, absolutely, I recommend it to anybody.
0: <laughs> I, I okay. You recommend writing a book, or you recommend absolutely. Your- I love how you said that. So the whole process took what, like you said, end oh. of twenty nineteen.
1: Yeah. So it's about 14, 15 months um, from when they asked me to write the book to launch. So the internet, my publisher is in the United Kingdom. So it launched Mm -hmm. uh, overseas at first. And I say overseas, well, it's overseas to me, um, but for others, March 3rd was when that one, and then it launched uh, domestically uh, just on Tuesday, March 30th. March 30th. Wow. And I I think that's
0: when I got the book. I probably got it on March 30th, maybe a few days before. Um, awesome. And now it says data literacy skills everyone needs. Can we assume that this book is for everyone? Are there prerequisites? Who is it? Who do you recommend actually reads this? Book?
1: I actually have the perfect story for this, and it does involve running in the mountains. In fact, you see the mountain right there. I knew it. it involves. Okay. I, I was running on that mountain with a friend, and as I was coming down the trail, another friend uh, that was running up, and she was like, "Oh, I just wanted to say congrats on your book." And her comment then became. I just feel I'm too stupid to read it. And I was like, what? No, no, I wrote this book. This is not a technical book. This is more an overall vision of what data is, why it's used, et cetera. It's a book designed for the masses, but at the same time um, designed for very technical people. Like I consider myself a very technical person, if maybe, I don't know, but I love data, right? This is designed in a way that anybody can read it, right? I've had Mm -hmm. friends, my wife has read it and she blew through it and she actually was shocked. on on how well I could write. I'm I'm more normally seen as a public speaker versus a writer. Um, I had a friend who has no background in data. She's like, I actually understood this or whatever. And so it's designed in that way. So anybody can pick it up, but at the same time in reading it, you'll see there's strategy. There's Mm -hmm. ways for businesses to put things in place to drive data literacy in an organization. That's actually where a lot of my conversations about the book have gone. I have enterprises that are, are trying to put in orders for a large amount. So that when they put forward um, a data literacy initiative, they're going to mm-hmm. have books on hand in their library or whatever it's called to be able to drive a strategy.
0: Yeah, that's that's really awesome. Congratulations on achieving this milestone. I know it's it's a huge deal to and especially that waiting game. I'm, I'm not very patient. So <laughs> waiting for yeah, the well, to, wait well, to end
1: of March. a little funny story about that. So the the original deadline for the manuscript, I think it was July 31st. And I got a a message from them. Well, we're going to have to push back. And I don't remember, and I'm sure they did having an official date on when it was pushed back to, but I got a message like two weeks before September 4th saying your manuscript is due September 4th. I had like four chapters left. And so my wife had had an operation and I knew she wasn't going to be up and she was (laughs) great, but I was, I took time off. I literally wrote four chapters over four days, about eight hours a day, just pounding out my thoughts editing my thoughts or whatever and and getting it into the, to the publisher. So when you hear stories, like JK Rowling has done that bill gate, like I'm like, next time I write a book, I probably literally will find a hotel somewhere, book it for a week and just sit down and and pound out a book.
0: That's so interesting. Actually, Chris and Kerr and I, so we co-authored mothers of data science and similar. We, we self-published right. So we didn't have anybody telling us, okay, this has to be done by this date we kind of finished what we thought was was done and then we knew we had this big section left and we waited probably a year. Um so what we ended up doing was we booked a hotel room um at the Ritz, we made sure it was expensive enough to make us work, and we yeah. literally just worked until we fell asleep, then woke up and worked the next day and, and finished yep. the whole thing together. Very effective strategy, especially when you're paying money and you know you're like time is absolutely. money to get this done.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: All right, so question here from uh from Kelly. She says, I'm in education currently working on data science. Do you feel that there is a place for education and data analytics to educate more people at the company to help tell stories with data?
1: Absolutely. 100 percent. So to me, this this spans everything. I've I've met with organizations, public, private sector, uh, federal federal companies. There's one organization um, that has over a million people and, and they're looking at driving a large initiative. And I've met with schools, I met with colleges, university, anywhere you go, there is a place for the data and analytics space, whether it's let's say you're in academia. And I met with a a college right before the pandemic kind of shut all travel down where I met with deans of the different colleges. I met with professors teaching them how they could use data more effectively with their students and helping Mm -hmm. build plans for the students and things like that. I mean, the, the reality is there's a place for this and everything. Now, what, what it'll depend on is what is the outcome you're looking to achieve? Um, I think far too often we try and boil the ocean versus tell me something you're trying to achieve with your data so that we can build a proof of concept around that and then a strategy to make it happen. Far too often you go to these places and they're like, we've got these grand ideas, which I have no problem with. Keep your grand ideas. but let's start with some some small subsection of that to make it occur. And that means, so for that question, when we're looking at it from an education or whatever it is, yes, absolutely, there's a place. But have a pinpointed strategy on what you're trying to achieve. That lack of strategy is a killer for true data and analytics adoption.
0: Yeah, I think it, it's the same for everything, even in life, right? Um, I was talking to a friend about the concept of happiness or, or money. I'm like, well, what would actually make you happy? Do you know? Yeah. She's like, no, I never thought of that. I'm like, well, if you write down what will make you happy and then you achieve it, then, you know, essentially you should be happy. But we're not going to get into that
1: whole. Well, I think, that- I think you're, well I'm going to I'm going to add a little to that because I get asked to mentor a lot of people who are in college or earlier in their careers in data and analytics. And I think they always want that golden question. What should I study? Well, if you're <laughs> in college going into data science, they're teaching you all the technical things you're going to need to know. Let me take you sub classes. Let's build you communication skills, leadership skills. Let's go take those classes. But I uh, most of the time, if not every single time, I always ask them, "What do you want your life to achieve? Yeah. Your your career should make that happen." Writing this book, I love it. I love data literacy, but it is a part of a, of a journey to have the happy, happiness that you want in your life, creating an amazing life for my family. So I, I, I don't think people should lose sight of that. Like if all we, if we become so tunnel vision on data and analytics, we're going to lose sight of all of these things. Data and analytics, whatever we do are tools to achieve the things that you want to achieve career, personal life, whatever it is you want.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And before I go on to the next audience question question for you, uh, because so you I guess you spoke to Bernard Marr, and you know he's written, I don't know, 10, yep. 20 books. He just pops them out, right? So it seems so easy for him to just uh, keep keep getting books out. Are you planning to write another book? Did yes, you get the book I,
1: I'm already in talks with the publisher. Um, I knew it.
0: I knew But it.
1: I, I won't dive into what it is. But let's just say that there, there's a lot of hot topics that came from this during, during the shutdowns. So absolutely. Okay.
0: Interesting. All right. We'll stay tuned for that. Um, <laughs> that will,
1: will be out next year. There's no no five-year time plan on this one.
0: <laughs> okay, good. Uh, well, now you have the publisher and everything, so I guess that helps move things along as well. Um, so the question here from Nicole, so she says, thanks for breaking down those four levels of data analysis. How do you think our literacy skills need to evolve at a prescriptive level to account for bias or other social considerations?
1: It's a very good question. I think there's a twofold approach. There there has to be that there's a great book out there, Kathy O'Neill, Weapons of Math Destruction. When you actually dive into algorithms, black boxes, all of that, biases are inherent in there because they're still built by humans. So there's there's that back end of, of those that are building it, accounting for biases and building the algorithms correctly when they're approved, who's approving it? Can they even recognize that? That's part of the problem. You're starting to see across the world, different laws, GDPR in Europe. You've got BAPI in South South Africa. California actually has one. New York, I think, has one. These different laws going into place, trying to regulate certain things. That's wonderful. But what if the people building that law don't have data literacy skills? So there's a balance there. There's also the end user's data literacy ability. So for me, when I see algorithms out there, when I see studies out there, when I see all these things, I call data literacy a, a, a BS detector. So you've got you've got to be able to build better bias-free, if you will, algorithms and all of those things. But at the same time, we need to just raise data literacy levels across society so that when we are we're receiving this information, we ourselves can question it in, in a healthy skeptical way, not cynicism, not negativity, but true data skepticism. And you're starting to see it. Um, Like one of the weirdest requests I've had was recently I had the country of Mongolia ask me to help with some data literacy stuff. They're trying to put in from a a public perspective from Mongolia. They're trying to do that. Um, The United Nations, I've worked with them on, on the strategies that they use data. So you're starting to see it happen, but I also think there is a personal Side of this, that if we can up our own data literacy skills, we can detect more on those algorithms and on the data that is being fed to us what's real, what's not, how do you get to better answers, etc.
0: Mongolia, huh? How did that happen? How did they find you?
1: Uh, data Literacy Project and LinkedIn.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: Yep. Okay. There are some weird ones that come through. Like you'll get one and it's like, hey, this is so and so from Mongolia. I'm like, sweet, awesome, awesome. Let's talk.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Um, all right. So question here from uh, Gil- Gil- Gildardo. Can you share the highlights about the inception of the book idea? And You, you touched on this uh, a bit already, the proposal writing and actual writing process. I think you spoke a bit about the proposal on the in- inception, maybe focus more on the actual writing process.
1: Yeah, it's, it's different. I mean, it's what I would do from the, the writing process is I would submit things to the editors I'd send it over to them. They would take a look at it. And we had deadlines. We had what chapters. And that, again, COVID really did mess that up because when um, mm-hmm. they were furloughed, it just made it so our timeline, when chapters were supposed to be submitted and all those things kind of got out of whack. Um, and and then when the furlough ended, which I think we got back to officially writing and everything in June, um, there still wasn't, we didn't ever get back to this is the schedule. Um, mm-hmm. We to here's a deadline. And right. so I, I think that that process going into this next book, having gone through it, I absolutely will have like accountability timelines. And I'll ask the publisher and I'll say, you need to hold me accountable to these dates. You need to mm-hmm. let me know when these dates are. Um, but that process from from all of that and everything, it was quite interesting. The proposal, he asked a little bit about the proposal writing, One of the the nice things that I had going into this book is being one of the founders and pioneers of this entire field. Thankfully, a lot of the ideas that are out there in the industry are ideas I had. And so a lot of the information has just been up here. So I read a lot, I study a lot, I do a lot. And it was then just becoming an ability to put it in paper and just Mm -hmm. sit down, um, not have my kids distract me too much, all five of them and just put all these ideas down to paper in a way, though, that I felt um, everybody would understand and get something effective, whether you're a leader, whether you're technical, all the way down to just an end user.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, th- thanks for sharing that. It's interesting. So Ravit, Ravit knows, not sure if you've seen, he's telling me to talk about my book plan. So I'm actually, I'm so interested in this whole writing process, the proposal and all of that, because I just a week and a half ago decided to write my own book, uh, which is just essentially a book on Color for Data Storytelling, still working on the actual title, but it's so exciting. It's like it's daunting and so exciting at the same time. So definitely um, very, very, very fun to hear all of these things that you've had to go through. I wish I could get four chapters out in four days. That's that's goals right there. um, Okay, so going back to data literacy for our audience here wherever they are in their journey, what would you say would be the very next step or maybe a first step that people can take towards either assessing their own data literacy or taking that next step in that journey?
1: Well, and I don't want to sound self-serving, but that's why the book is written, right? I would say if you're starting off and don't know where you are, any of that, pick up the book, just read it. It's a quick read. It's designed in a way to let that happen. But there's a couple things that can be done. There are surveys out there. There are assessments out there. Um, click has wonderful ones. Um, the ones that I helped design when I was there, um, are great to assess your personal data literacy level, helping you understand where things are. Pluralsight has some things that are out there. Then what I always tell people, and and I, I take this step back, we're going to go back the fitness route real quick, but like how many people are like, I want to get in better shape. And so they take up running or they take up something and then it just falls away very quickly. It's because that didn't entice them. So wherever you are in your journey, if you feel like you're getting stuck or anything, find something that actually entices you in the data world. Find something that excites you. If it's data visualizations, if it's learning more about how to build the right coloring, like you're talking about in a data visualization, if it's Tableau, Click, Power, whatever it is that excites you, dive into it. And then the final thing that I will say is find a mentor. Please find somebody that you respect. I Reach out to me. I mentor a lot of people and help a lot of people in this field. Reach out to Kate. She's great. You've got great mentors like Ravi, Scott, all these people on the call. Reach out to people who are in this field and just ask them. I know, like I remember mentoring someone, I think it was during last year and he would ask me over and over like, dude, should I reach out to this person? You're asking the wrong guy. My response is always going to be yes. Just shoot them a message and find out their thoughts. Most yeah. people are willing to share with you. So if you have questions, connect with us. We're on LinkedIn. That's how Kate and I very first met years ago and she still regrets it to this day. But, um, this ability to chat with people, get to know people and figure out what they've done. Yeah. It's goldmine. It's an absolute goldmine.
0: I absolutely agree. Especially with the last thing you just said, it's so powerful just going out and talking to people. And yes, that is how we met. And then, uh, I know today people are still like, oh my God, how how are you talking to this person? And how did that happen? I'm like, well, I asked them if they want to yeah. speak. That was literally the one and only step. And that they either say yes or no, but you'll never know if you don't ask. You don't ask. So, yeah, exactly. Just ask, network. Um, everyone who's listening, Jordan Morrow has just offered to mentor everybody. So contact him. Where can people find you, Jordan?
1: Absolutely. Do it. Do it like I, I can't. I, I mentor people all the time, I love seeing them progress. I've seen, I, I don't know how many people get promoted and things like that. Do it, just reach out absolutely.
0: And uh, there was a comment here. Um, I'm now more than curious to jump and read Jordan's book. Where can people find the book besides, yeah. besides in my house? Which I clearly yes. go
1: over to Kate's house. Um, make sure uh, Amazon and is one, Kogan Page Publishing is another. Uh, but you can go to Barnes and Noble, uh, go to their website, and things like that. All, all over, anything that um, that carries books, just Google it. Like I said, the two main ones where I see people buying it right now are the Kogan Page, Cogan Page Publishing—that's a tongue twister—and then of course Amazon.
0: Okay, awesome. And I definitely agree. Michelle says, you know, she's been blown away by the receptiveness of all the data community. Always helpful. Really, we have like the best community. I mean, running is also a really great
1: compromise. That's a good one. <laughs> Between
0: those two, I'm just so happy. Um, so Jordan, I, I want to say congratulations again on, on the book. I, I definitely read through a couple of chapters and then I kind of kept skipping just so I can try to read as much of the book before our call as possible since I just got it recently. But definitely congratulations again on getting this book out. And I know it's no easy feat to go from step one to the final step. Um, any Any parting words on data literacy that you want to share before we wrap this up?
1: yeah i'll tag on to what you just said right when people are like where do i start just jump in right I, I don't care if it's something you hate or whatever it is i i think far too often there's a hesitancy um for whatever reason and i'm not i'm not disregarding that those are real feelings and stuff like that but you know what ask someone reach out yeah. with someone pick up a book take a training just jump in and as you do that look When I started building the world of data literacy, my first thoughts around this were back all the way in probably 2013, 2014. Um, Got hired at Click. This didn't exist. I just started building things. And then look where it is now. It's these ideas. You just got to take that step. Just jump in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Jordan. And thank you for everybody who's tuned in. Have a wonderful rest of your week and weekend. I know we're getting close to that. So thank you for joining.